Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. John White was known as the 30-minute preacher, but oh, how much truth he could pack into that 30 minutes. Such is the case with this sermon. It was preached at the Midwest Pilgrim Holiness Camp Meeting in Anderson, Indiana, back in 1989, and he titles this wonderful sermon, The Peace of God. I know you're going to enjoy it. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, this morning that we have an anchor of the soul within the veil. We thank you this morning that the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness has never lost its power. We're glad that there's a Father in heaven that still cares for his own and will provide for them every need. And we pray this morning hour as we just look into thy word that thou would bless our hearts that we might be able to go away from here a stronger people serving thee with a greater capacity and meeting the need of the day in which we live. We pray that thou would speak to our hearts and we'll praise thee for what's done for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The scriptures teach us that in the last days, the days that you and I are living in, that there will be an instability that will come among folk. One place it is described as being like the waves of the sea that are tossed to and fro. Another place it is likened unto the wind that will blow and that the doctrine of men will be tossed by that wind till they don't know what they're believing. In another place the Bible warns us that some will think that they stand and then they will fall. And this instability that we find many times comes because of the pressures that we are facing in this world today. Someone had said that there's a martyrdom of the mind today. In other words, there are forces out there that are trying their best to confuse people and deceive people and bring them to delusion. I find as I travel from place to place that many of our folks are, un and are entertaining thoughts and questions that before were settled in their minds and their lives. But for some reason or another, now they begin to shake even upon the things that they one time build. I'm looking at this passage of scripture that was written to the Philippian church by the Apostle Paul. And he's telling us about something that will stabilize us even to the very end of the age in which we live. He's talking about the peace of God. 
Now, tribulations and tests and trials to the believer all come from the outside. We would never have any trouble on the inside once we're thoroughly saved and once we're thoroughly sanctified. For the sin question is settled. The yesterday with all of its guilt and shame has been removed. And the Holy Spirit now is blessing us with an up-to-date experience that keeps us walking in the light of God. But the devil, on the other hand, is out to, to work on each and every one of us to try to trick us, to try to cause us to fall, and is doing a good work in many places. So you see that God has counteracted the work of Satan by saying that his peace would be in our hearts to keep our hearts and to stabilize our minds. But he went on a little farther. He said that it would be a peace that passeth all understanding. I think sometimes we forget that the world has problems and people out in the world must deal with these problems. That's why some folks become very much alcoholics and others get out on the limb and are taking dope and some people take and commit suicide so they might run away from their problems. They are seeking a way out, but the world doesn't offer them any way out. But God, knowing that we would live in a world of problems and know that things wouldn't always be on the mountaintop and realizing there were some long valleys that we had to go through, has placed within us a peace that we'll never understand. You look back over your life this morning for just a little while. Think of the things you went through. That affliction when the pain was so great. Now that you look back on it, how did you make it, you say? I don't know how I was going to make it while I was going through it. A test or a trial came into your home. Someone went astray. Someone had gone into deep sin. Someone had an accident. But at that time, there was a stabilizing force within your life. Maybe it was the trip to the cemetery and you were saying goodbye to somebody you loved, somebody that you cared for, someone you shared your life with. And while others there seemingly did not have a hope that you had a hope. For there was a peace on the inside that there was a meeting place that God had provided for those that are saved on the other side. And that if we would keep true and we would keep faithful we would make it to that place of meeting. There are seven things I'll bring to you very quickly today and I want to see why this peace and how this peace comes into our minds. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. All of us get attached to something. All of us get to the place where there is something that has to be under us as a foundation. And here Isaiah is talking about our mind, the place where we think, the place where our thoughts are, that place where we meditate, that place where we muse, that place where we remember, the mind of the individual. He's saying when we get that fastened on God, when we put our thinking on God and the things of God. You see, so many times when we begin to think of the bad things, we become melancholy, we become discouraged, and it seems to be hopeless. But when we put our mind on God, God has the answer. God has the way. God is the one that's able to overrule. God is the one that will take us through. And it does something for us. It brings a peace that passeth all understanding.
understanding. For this is what God wants us. It's a state of living. We don't live in confusion. We don't live in question. We don't live in a life of shadow. But we live out there in the clear because the peace of God is abiding in our hearts because our minds have become attached to God. The Bible talks about that. He said, think of these things which are pure and these things which are holy and these things which are right. And he goes down the entire list of telling us where our thought life should be. And another one said, oh, how pleasant it is to think on the goodness of the Lord, to remember that there's honey in the rock and to remember that there's rivers that flow underneath the surface area that we cannot see and that we can be tapping these hidden resources and keeping ourselves strong when the world around us would try to take us into a weakness. In Romans 8, 6, Paul picks up the speak. He says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's great, isn't it? To be spiritually minded. We that do not follow the flesh. We which are not controlled by the carnal mind. We that are not ruled by a body of sin that keeps us sinning. But we that walk after the spirit. We that are led by God. We that are the children of God. When we become spiritually minded, there is life and there is peace within our heart. I'm afraid so many times we're not as spiritually minded as the Lord would have us to be. The second one I bring to you is found in Psalm 29 and verse number 11. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now when I think of blessing, I think of joy. And I'm sure that joy is very important. For the Bible tells us that we have to have revivals every once in a while so that the people of God can rejoice in the Lord. We lose that joy. And I think of that joy and how I love to feel that something on the inside begin to bubble up. And that something on the inside begin to run over. That something on the inside that just gives me a buoyancy see like the world cannot give but now God's talking about blessing us with peace the world knows nothing about peace the world out there is seeking peace they're trying to buy peace there's people around have all different plans to bring them to peace but God says I just simply bestow upon my people peace he said there's something about it when they become a part of my family and they put their trust in me and they fasten themselves to me I'm going to bless them with peace in the midst of the storm, they'll have peace. Do you remember when Jesus stood out there and the waves were dashing on every side? The disciples had almost given up hope. All he simply did was stand up in the boat and say, peace be still. And everything became still. And there's times when God must stand up in our vessel when everything about us seems to be going wrong and say, peace be still. And the blessing of peace will flood our lives until the storm will suddenly be gone and the sun will brightly shine again and the clouds will roll away. But listen, friends, sometimes the clouds are good for us and sometimes the storms are good for us. And really, if you want to tell how spiritual you are, you need to see some of the valleys that you go through. And we do far more growing in the valleys than we realize. But I'm glad that God has a method that when we're in that place of despondency, when in that place when Satan would oppress, that he will bless us with peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. Again, Peace is our inheritance. Jesus said in John 14, 27, 
when reading his last will and testament to the disciples, he said, my peace I leave thee, my peace I give thee. In the world you shall have tribulation. But he said, fear not, I have overcome the world. How could he do that? For Isaiah said, he is the prince of peace. Praise God. You and I have come. Look at the peace that Jesus Christ provides for us. It says through his dying on the cross, through his blood, he has made peace with God. When any one of us get the peace that Jesus gives, a peace with God, when we're no longer at war with God and no longer fighting God and no longer running from God and no longer transgressing against God, that's a wonderful peace that floods into our heart. Then we have peace with ourselves. And it's important you have peace with yourself. I know people can't forgive themselves. I know people that continuously are being hindered because there's something happened in their life that they can't get over. But God has a peace that we can get over some things. And God has a peace that will erase some things and give us a victory. And then we have peace with each other. We don't have trouble loving each other. We don't have trouble praying together and singing together and shouting together. We don't have trouble saying amen to a good strict message when we're at peace with other people. The, the preacher can preach about bad feelings and gossiping and backbiting. And when we're not doing it, there's a peace down in our heart that just says glory to God. I could be a part of all that. But praise the Lord. The Lord has given me peace. I wonder how many of our folks are claiming their inheritance. It seems like a lot of our folks do not know what it is to have peace. Well, what did the word peace mean here when it said, my peace, I believe thee? It's quite strange, but look it up in the Greek for yourself. The first thing it said, quietness. A quietness on the inside. There is no disturbance on the inside regardless what the disturbance is on the outside. It means calmness. When everything about you is in turmoil and raging on the inside, it's just calm. That's a glorious place to live, to know. And this brings a contentment. You're not looking for anything else. You're not running to anything else. You're not advertising yourself as being open to the devil and to the devil's crowd that they can come and offer you anything else because you have become satisfied and contented in God. And Paul put it this way, in whatsoever state you find yourself. And that takes in almost every means that you and I could come in contact with. But we go a little farther. For in Galatians 5.22, this peace that passeth all understanding is a fruit of the Spirit. We say we are filled with the Spirit. And yet I wonder sometimes why the fruit of the Spirit is not appearing in individuals' lives. Now, I'm of the old school, and you may be different. And if you are, maybe you could see me after and try to bring me up to date. But I believe that just as fruit down here on earth on our natural trees have their seasons and come forth at different periods, that the fruit of the Spirit also has its seasons and will come forth at different times in our life. There are times we need to have the fruit of love working like it never did before. Somebody is irritating you. Somebody's bothering you. Somebody is just making it rough for you. That's the time when you need to love them. You don't need to love them when they're patting you on the back and everything's going all right. So you have it there. There are times when you feel sad and lonely that the fruit of joy should be on your vine. 
but the fruit of peace is necessary there too. For you see, love brings joy and joy brings peace. And if you follow them all down the line, you'll find that it's all one fruit producing the next fruit and the next fruit and the next fruit in your life. And yet some folks go through their entire lifeline without having some of these fruit appearing within their daily existence before God. Again, peace is obedience. For Psalms 119 verse 165 declares this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, you say, I don't love the love of God. Well, or the law of God. Then you don't have the peace of God. It's not hard for a Christian to love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. After all, their very living and their very being is in God and you take God away and there isn't any spirituality at all. It's very easy to keep the Lord's day. And I heard a preacher just preach recently that it doesn't matter. The Lord's day is the same as every other day. I beg to differ with him. The Lord has made a special day and has sanctified that day. I live clean and holy every day of the week, but I don't buy on the Lord's Day. I don't go to the restaurant on the Lord's Day. I don't go to the shopping mall on the Lord's Day. In fact, I wouldn't go out and play a game of ball on the Lord's Day, and I wouldn't get my bicycle or my skates or my sleigh and go out on the Lord's Day. We just weren't raised that way from the home that I was raised. But I do those things every other day of the week if I possibly could and find no problem with them at all. But you see, there is a love for the law of God. Listen, someone said, we're living in a day, and I, I know it's true. We're living in a day of the great question about adultery and, and about fornication. And really the world out there is promoting it. The warmer it gets, the more lustful people will dress, and you might as well make up your mind to it. But when you love the law of God and the law of God says, thou shalt not commit adultery, there is something down in your heart that these things don't entertain you and they don't give you an appetite and they don't draw your attention. But really something in your heart keeps you from engaging in even any thought. For adultery can be committed by lusting within the heart without any outward type of a manifestation at all. For Jesus talked about this. But he said if we love his law, if we love his law, we won't steal. If we love his law, we won't kill. If we love his law, we won't bear false witness. If we love his law, we won't have any false idols in our life. And he'll give us peace. Isn't it wonderful to look up in the face of God and say, God, you helped me all day to live without committing any sin. And as I face the end of the day today, the record's clear, God. While others were out there enjoying the world, I was enjoying you. And while others were out there living for time, I was building for eternity. And Lord, you've been so good to me because I have loved thy law. You have given me peace. Again, Peace is a divine government. Uh, Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Uh, how many times do you think we have some of the troubles we have and some of the divisions and some of the separations uh, if the love of God was ruling in people's heart or the peace of God was living, ruling in uh, uh, We are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, the Bible said. You and I have not been called to cause divisions. Uh, Paul said, mark them that cause 
cause divisions. And friend, there's a lot of things to divide yourself on. We don't all see eye to eye on everything. I think of the day of Pentecost. My brother was speaking about this the other night, and I have used it many times in my own messages. On the day of Pentecost, they were not all in one accord, like most of our people talk. But the Bible said they were all with one accord, and that makes a big difference. If we're all in one accord, we're going to look alike, going to act alike. Well, can you imagine if we had 600 people here like we did on Sunday? Everybody had to run the aisle at the same time. Now, I want to ask you, could it even be possible? Do you know what happened? We'd have casualties like they do at some of these soccer matches that you read about over there in England. Somebody would be trampled down. And can you imagine what it would be like? If everybody just simply cried at the same time and everybody simply laughed at the same time and if everybody hollered amen at the same time when well, you say well why not preacher well God just moves on us differently but we that run and we that jump and we that laugh and we that cry we are contented to be with those who do not and they must be contented to be with us and there is no division among us on either side because we are with one accord. There's a government in our heart that promotes peace. Whenever there's a time for a trouble, we'll do our best to get rid of that trouble. We'll run from that trouble. The Bible said that Job had chewed evil. It meant he avoided evil. He didn't try to get into the midst of everything that was going on in the wrong direction. And I'm afraid some of our folks don't have this government of peace operating in their lives because their words are not gentle and kind. Although the Bible said a soft answer turneth away wrath. There's a lot of people provoke others to anger. We that were fathers, I hope and that, the Bible says, and fathers provoke not your children to wrath or to anger. You could just tease them too much and torment them too much and push them too far. And God says you just don't do that. When the peace of God rules in your life, you live on an even keel. You'll give people the benefit of the doubt. I know we preach about all the sins from A to Z and there's plenty that we don't preach on we should but there's one that we should preach on a little more that we're not preaching on the Bible says think evil of no man and when you begin to think evil of someone else you're just as wrong as those that commit adultery and those that are killing and those that are doing everything for it's just as much a commandment as the other ones are a commandment and we better be very careful about that oh yes preacher the Bible says uh, we shall know them by their fruit. But you go to Matthew there and see who he's talking about. He's talking about false teachers and false prophets. And he said, you shall know them by their fruit. He wasn't talking about us judging each other as individuals in the church. For the Bible has warned us what we judge others with, we'll be judged ourselves. And some people can't stand to have the finger pointed back in their direction. And as soon as it's pointed back, in their direction there's an insurrection and there's a rebellion and we have a civil war that goes on not when we're governed by the peace that passeth all understanding I don't understand why some people say some things about me I don't understand
understand why some people don't like me. I guess they have reasons, but I don't understand it. I can't imagine why when I was pastoring, anyone would have ever voted a negative vote against me. After all, I did my very best, you know, to help them. And I did all I could to encourage their heart. What in the world was wrong with these people? I don't know. But I can honestly say from the depths of my heart as I stand here, there isn't a person on God's earth that I know of. Not one person, regardless what they are, what they've done, where they've been, what they've been a part of, that I can say there's any hatred in my heart, that there's any time to get even with that individual, trying to destroy that individual, try to get rid of that individual. For the peace of God works in such an unusual way way that I don't understand how it works. I can remember one pastor that I had, and some of you pastors wouldn't have a problem like this, but there was a little short, fat Dutchman that didn't like me. Oh, they called him Rube, so you wouldn't know what his name is because Boob, that's what it was. It wasn't Rube, it was Boob. And he really was mad at one night after I preached. And he met me at the back door and grabbed me by my tie and ripped it off and the collar ripped a little bit. And he said, fight me, preacher, fight me, preacher. And I looked at him. I said, but Boob, I love you too much to fight you. His hands fell off and fell down. It was some time later, a year or so later, when I decided to change in my pastorates, and I left for another pastor. And one day he came to the church and he said, uh, uh, he said, I, I want to talk to you. And my wife was a little afraid. So she had some of the men stand nearby, but she didn't have to be worried about it. Because he come to me and he said, I did you wrong. And I'm sorry I did you wrong. And you're leaving and I don't want to chase all over the country to make restitution. I'm going to get it taken care of now while you're here. That's the answer to the thing. When we have peace that passeth all understanding and joy unspeakable that's full of glory. The government of peace down in our heart. Last but not least, we like to quote Hebrews 12, 14. And we quote, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I guess I have a different concept on holiness than a lot of our preachers do. For holiness is a state of living. That's what it actually is. And really, holiness begins before we're entire sanctified. You couldn't be saved and propagated of the Holy Spirit and be unholy. It would be impossible. So it's not anyway saying that it's just a second work of grace while that's a part of it but the Bible tells us something that goes along with that the peace that passeth understanding must be followed it must be pursued in our life we must let that be our guide that be our leader I'll do nothing to disturb the peace on the inside of me I'll do nothing to take away the calmness of God on the inside of me I'll just do nothing that would keep me from having the quietness of the spirit on the inside I want this heavenly atmosphere down here in a world that's full of trouble I will follow everything that keeps the peace in my heart working in a day when some people don't have much working at all so again when the apostle Paul says that we can have the peace of God which passes all understanding that it shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus I can see some people why they're not saved long and why they're not sanctified long and I can see some people why they're always having to go to the altar they lost the peace that keeps them now we might as well just make up our mind to it 
If this statement doesn't mean what it said, then it should be taken out of the word. But the Bible said it's been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's the spirit of truth, friend. As long as you have the peace of God in your heart and the peace of God in your life, and you leave a piece of a life here on earth, you're going to make it. That's all it's done. You're going to make it. I think of some of the songs we used to sing. We used to sing uh, that song, peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Oh, I like that peace that comes down from the Father above. I'm glad that the armistice has been signed. I'm glad that the war is over. I'm glad that now I live in the quietness and the calmness of the presence of God. And that's a very important thing for us to do. But I wish more of our people did. Oh, when I look over our people and I see how disturbed they are, everything upsets them. Everything bothers them. Everything causes them to become a wary wart. They don't trust God in everything. You have to trust him to have peace. Commit yourself to him. Yield yourself to him. Put your life in his hands. Abandon yourself to his will. And follow his directions. And you'll make it through. Peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love. God bless you. Shake hands with another. And come back tonight, the Lord willing. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855, USA. I don't want to lose the fire.